Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. All right, we are live, and I have Aaron Snyder on the phone here. What's going on, Aaron? Not too much. Um, just uh, in my garage packing. I can't tell my neighbor just started a diesel truck, but uh, yeah, just packing for a scouting trip. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So yeah, welcome to the East Meets West Hunt podcast. And uh, where are you, what are you uh, packing for? Oh, uh, we've got a. Uh, scouting trip we're heading on in a few days here and uh we're heading up sunday i guess and coming back on wednesday so. okay what are you are you scouting for deer or elk or both yeah mule deer mule deer okay i gotcha so aaron before we get uh too deep into that here do you want to tell the listeners a little bit uh about yourself and who you are coming with a lot of the the audience being from the east here they may not be familiar with uh yourself or kafaru that's it well yeah i um i run kafaru international it's a backpack company we build backpacks and tp sleeping bags uh you know things like that and uh, i've lived out west my whole life i live in colorado now which is where kafaru is located and uh yeah yeah fortunate enough i get to hunt um a lot a lot more than i probably even should um and spend you know significant amount of time out in the field um i mean ridiculous time amount out in the field which is a good thing so enough time you can get tired of hunting believe it or not um i think usually we're on 15 to 18 hunts a year pretty easily um most of those backpack hunts so quite a bit yeah is there are there any uh hunts that you're pretty excited for this fall yeah, uh, this mule deer hunt, pretty excited about that. We're backpacking in, I'm not exactly sure how far right now, but eight, nine miles it looks like. And, uh, you know, it's a, a high country mule deer hunt, so above tree line. Um, and uh, I'm hunting with the, the recruits, um, uh, everything from here on out. So that adds a whole new dynamic um, <laughs> to yeah. things, I guess. And uh, we got... Let's see, we've got a uh, two elk hunts, mule deer hunt. Uh, you know, this is Frank and I, Frank, my, my partner in crime at Kaflaro. So we've got that mule deer hunt. And then I've got an elk hunt uh, in the same area. Frank drew a different uh, tag here. And then we're going to Montana uh, for uh, elk. Uh, we got an alligator hunt in Florida, uh, antelope hunt here, uh, mountain goat hunt in B.C., um alberta mule deer hunt and then uh whitetail we're hunting missouri oklahoma alabama possibly kansas um going on a couple sheep hunts from helping guys out uh for sure you know we did a black bear hunt this fall already uh, a couple turkey hunts already and uh I think I'm forgetting some, but that, yeah, quite a bit of hunting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds like quite a bit. I hear a few whitetail hunts there this year. Yeah. We usually go on two or three. I hunt a whitetail a lot more than people think actually. Um, I used to live in Minnesota, um, and, uh, hunted quite a bit, Minnesota and, uh, Wisconsin. And yeah, I've hunted whitetail actually, Michigan, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Iowa, Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska. I've hunted whitetails a lot. A lot more than people think. A lot of people can't believe I can stay in the tree that long. But I tell you what, I have zero issues. Um, I'm a get-or-done guy. I mean, I'll sit in a tree all day long if it means I get to shoot something. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I like whitetail hunting. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, if you don't like to just sit a whole lot, there's a one of the styles that we hunt in Pennsylvania where I'm from is a North central region where it's in, in the middle of the Appalachian mountains and it's nothing but uh, the big wood setting. And a lot of times, one thing my dad has taught me when, when we're hunting the rut and uh, beginning of November, or so to get out and actually walk through some of like the thick, like the grown up clear cuts, 
and stuff and just and grunt and be real aggressive on the ground and that can be that can be pretty fun you can cover a lot of miles and just keep the wind in your face and and go through it's uh with a with the stick bow that may be a, a fun thing to do yeah for sure i uh everything's fun with the stick bow whether one way or another uh, <laughs> if you call it yeah, fun I've had good, <laughs> yeah i've had good luck with it so far hopefully that um he's carrying through um i kind of got bored with the i hate to say that but yeah i got bored with the compound you know i get a a new bow or two in to, to test shoot whatever and you know it's sit in a box for two or three weeks and uh you know rewinds you know 10 15 years I, I i'd call in sick to work to set up a bow and uh you know it just got to where it wasn't as fun uh you know for me as it was shooting uh, a stick and so now i'm yeah i'm i'm shooting a recurve i can't believe it myself um i'm pretty good with it i mean i, I i'm excited about that i tell you what if I sucked at it, I don't know. It, it's hard to hit things, uh, and it's hard to tip an animal over out of the gate with anything, let alone a, you know, a, a wooden bow. So I'm glad I've been luckier. I probably wouldn't be quite as excited. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, yeah. You did. Well, from what it looks like and from what it sounds like, you definitely put in a lot of time. I just got done finishing listening to your podcast from from Kafaru Cast with uh, John Barklow, and uh, listening. You, you were saying you shoot up to 400 arrows a day. Yeah, that's, um, you know, and that's probably an exaggeration someday, some days like today, I probably will only shoot maybe 150 or something, but tomorrow we're shooting a 40 target 3d course. And I guarantee I'll shoot four or five arrows at a minimum at each target. <laughs> Plus uh, then we're going back out and shoot broadheads at night or in the afternoon. So yeah, I, fl- I shoot a lot. Um, so much I have to buff my fingers down with a freaking disc sander. I look like dumb and dumber. Um, <laughs> buffing those things down so yeah they get big calluses or like you know whatever wear marks on them so i shoot a lot um and i and i i don't ever get bored so it's uh, it's been fun yeah that's cool yeah actually that that was a that was a really good episode to listen to that you had there with john about with uh the cold weather gear as well as just into a whole lot more topics than that and uh i, I have a call with john coming up in a couple weeks as well to, to go through some yeah, stuff John, with a, system building he's been a huge help with me i i at the archery shop i'm at i i build Zika systems for people i'm a dealer and uh whenever i have any questions when someone's going on a sheep hunt or something you know i haven't done i call john up and he helps me through a lot of that he's a very very smart guy yeah he's he's funny and he and i are um you know kind of you say cut from the same cloth um just you know he and i have a lot of similarities and and uh um you know just the way we act and look at things i guess and uh you know he and i get along uh super well and uh he's definitely a good guy to to bounce things off of when it comes to to clothing any lessons you know when he as far as on designs um you know he uh he doesn't um discard uh, you know, any, any, because any, somebody coming with any kind of a knowledge base saying, Hey, what about try this or whatever? He's, he's real good about, you know, listening and, uh, and, uh, applying, you know, if it's a good idea, they'll, they'll use it, which is pretty hard to find. Um, you know, and, and some, you know, companies, they get caught up in, in different things and just don't, you know, have time maybe to, to listen. And John always is very tentative. And anytime I've talked to him, I could definitely tell he, was listening to what I had to say, you know, whether he followed through with it or, or could is a different story, but it's always nice to know someone's, um, you know, paying attention to what you have to say. But yeah, that, that was a, that was an excellent podcast to listen to and, and urge anyone that's listening to this to, to go check that out. And, and the nice thing about John too, is when he, when he's talking about, you know, building systems and everything, he's not even pushing sick, uh, on it you know he's what what he the way he described it to me was he was like yeah, i work for sick gear and you know i believe in the gear we build but i'm more in educating the, the people about proper systems and and everything there to make sure that they understand the concept of it and they can make their own decisions on you know what company they want to go with or what material yeah yeah and i uh i would agree you know with my dealings with 
with John. And I think that's another thing too, like probably why he and I get along. I don't, I don't, I actually get crap from Kafaru users that I don't promote Kafaru enough. Um, and, you know, of course I want people to buy Kafaru obviously, cause I think it's, you know, the, the best, uh, packs or whatever out there or shelters, but you know, not everybody can afford it or there might be something that, um, you know, needs to sway them to something different or a four season tent rather than the teepee. And I don't, um, I don't get too wrapped up in that. I just want people to be happy when they're out in the woods. Yeah. So I think, I guess that leads into a pretty good segue on packs. And that's one of the, the big thing that, that I wanted to talk to you about. So to, to give you a little background, I, when I first planned my first trip to go out West Colorado and, you know, people told me, you know, packs are really important. You need to make sure you have a good fitting pack. But I fell into the trap of I'm buying everything in one year to try to do my first, you know, backpack hunt. And I decided to take the cheap route on the packs and buy a super ultra light pack that was on sale on a Memorial Day sale. And I really regretted that. So I, I bought this pack and used it quite a bit. And I was, you know, I was having some problems with it. And I thought it was just me not used to, you know, carrying that kind of weight around. And then when I went on the hunt, I ripped the, ba- ripped the bag in three different places, broke two buckles off all in the first three days. And my cousin, who I talked into buying the same pack, um, he broke his, his, actual, his hip belt buckle, the main one there on day one, which is a pretty big deal. And, and from that point forward, I came back, had the pack warrantied and then, and sold it and started doing a lot more research. And, and that's what led me into actually calling you and talking to you all about, you know, getting fitted for a pack and, and ended up, you know, buying a Kafaru from that point. But do you want to get, dig into that a little bit and the importance of a of a good pack for if you're going on a you know a western or any sort of backcountry hunt where you're going to be carrying some weight yeah oh yeah for sure um i think one of the first things that i think people and and it's important as as you know or whatever like i wasn't born into money i wasn't born which is important for people to hear because i have been through it i was in the military making no money really. Um, uh, and thanks to all the veterans out there, cause I know you get screwed. And then I went to construction and I had a, a wife and a kid <laughs> and a house and cars. And I just didn't have a lot of extra money. And so these purchases as I was, you know, going, um, you know, as I was bridging my gear up, right. Like a, a pack, I ran, what everybody else ran, uh, which was what I could afford, whether it be, you know, a like a camp trails aluminum frame, which is where I started, which, you know, was horribly uncomfortable. And then, you know, I got a, a Badlands 4,500. It's not a bad pack. I had an Everly stock and I tested tons of packs out. And as I was, was doing all of this, I was, you know, keeping track because I was reviewing gear a lot. Um, and, uh, what I had noticed was, um, you know, there were some packs with lifetime warranties, which I had no doubt in my mind as I was using it, I would need to use uh, frequently. So I was glad they had lifetime warranties, but I was having to use them all the time. And that I'd buy one pack and it would break or it wouldn't be that comfortable. And I'd buy another one and it was like the rotation, you know, like uh, musical chairs, right? I was going in circles and I'd sit on one and I'd sit on another. And then pretty soon I'm like, man, I would just, I should just pony up here and buy the best. And, uh, you know, at that time I had, um, I tell everybody my life story, but to, so you know where I'm coming from. I, at that time I knew of Kafaru, um, but they weren't as well known as they are now. And they were, you know, 16 week lead time, things like that. And I had the choice between Kafaru and Mystery Ranch and, uh, Mystery Ranch makes a great pack as well. Um, and, uh, I dropped, I think, $1,400 on my first packs from Mystery Ranch, which, I mean, as a guy with a, you know, mortgage car and a kid and a wife and everything else, it was a, it was a big chunk of money, right? I mean, it was, it was a lot of cash. And 
um, I got the packs and, um, I actually didn't like one of them. And, um, you know, I, but I, you know, they helped me out, swapped it out. I got a different one and, um, I felt confident, you know, not, you know, not promoting mystery ranch, but kind of, obviously they great American made company. Um, I think they go overseas now with their hunting packs, but I still, I felt confident when I bought it that it would last forever. And, uh, you know, it was a good pack. It was super comfortable and, uh, I'd have to worry about it breaking. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't until I, I, I got, finally got a hold of Patrick Smith, the owner of Kafaru and, this was after running a mystery ranch for quite a while. And, uh, I walked in and talked to him. We talked about reviewing the gear. He actually sold them to me at a discount. I, I bought those and I went in on a four or five day scouting trip with that frame that, that, you know, we've obviously improved upon now, but that duplex frame system and was just like, my God, where has this thing been all my life? It was truly one of those life changing moments where I'm like, Jesus, what have I been doing to my body? Good Lord, you know, and, and it was just super comfortable. And so I kind of was like, all right, this is, this is, uh, this is a noticeable difference and, uh, it's worth the money. And, and I, and, and I was quantifying it in my brain. It's like, okay, I can go on three to four backpack hunts back to back to back and not destroy my body for one. Like, I literally can pack out, you know, obviously some people have questioned the loads we carry, but pack a hundred pounds out, uh, for four miles, still be comfortable rest of the day and then, uh, head back in on another hunt and be physically able to do that and not have my shoulders sore, my knees, my body, my back bleeding, all the different things you run into, um, with, with packs that don't fit correctly. And so I was like, wow, a properly fitted pack. Okay. I am. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm buying into this. And then, um, you know, I started obviously, I don't know, six months later helping out at Kafaru and, you know, learning things I didn't know about packs and really starting to become an expert, I guess you could say, in packology, where I was learning the different parts, pieces, how a pack fits and how it can truly alter a hunt or change a hunt. And, you know, people, you know, if you get online, um, and any time I start talking too much, just tell me to shut up. But you get online and you start reading about uh, what pack to buy, you're going to have the Kool-Aid drinkers of every pack company. Um, and some of those are true believers, and, and they think that's the best. Some bought what they can afford, and, and or bought the you know they're promoting the first one they ever bought, and that's understandable. But the the things that you need to really look for where especially you can tell if a pack fits a person or not is, you know, you've got these different things on the pack. One of them is load lifters. Um, do the load lifters actually work correctly? I always got a kick. I'm not going to say the the name of the celebrity hunter, but I see pictures of him about how comfortable this pack was. He was wearing with a hundred pounds and the load lifters weren't even engaged and they were below his shoulders. And I'm like, I can Dude, definitely tell who you're talking about, but I'll, I'll keep that to myself too. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's like, one brother, I know they're paying you. So, but you know, kick the fanboy stuff out. It's like if you know what you're looking at, if those low, if the if the pack is lower than the top of the pack is lower than your shoulders, and those load lifters are not engaged, you're it's just it's a duffel bag with shoulder straps. You're carrying all of that weight on your shoulders and like the physiology or the, 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 the human body, the hip bones can handle weight um, and burn out in less time, far, 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 far longer. It takes far longer than it does the shoulders. The shoulders can't handle the weight. The hips can. And so having a pack that allows you to displace the weight from shoulders to hips whenever you want, but also allow to carry 60 to 70% on your hips and 30 to 40 on your shoulders is, is vital and that's with 40 pounds or 140 and so you know there was other things you know there's there's different types of of you know there's a one-piece belt a three-piece belt all these different things that um you know i was learning and able obviously now i'm the ceo and president and, and head designer that i can tweak and twist to um you know perfect the fit on somebody and so truly 
you, you think about it, in my opinion, the two key factors out of the gate are boots and your pack because they are the, the pivotal points of comfort. Your feet have to be in good shape and your pack, obviously, you know, carrying all that weight, it's affecting the skeletal alignment. Your your obviously muscle knots. You'll get muscle knots. You'll get you know problems with your vertebrae. All these different things. And um, people will buy a new bow every year and buy a crappy pack. They never think about buying a pack. And the one thing, you know, I'm running at the mouth here, but the one thing is, a lot of guys will do that haven't killed anything. And if you haven't killed anything, you probably won't know the difference. And I don't know, we get calls every day um, that are like, uh, I should have listened to you. I bought this pack. I killed an elk. It killed me. And they will spend any amount of money it takes <laughs> to have comfort this next year. And um, I think uh, the wrapping people, getting people to wrap their head around a thousand dollar or eight, you know, 750 to a thousand dollars for a pack is, is difficult. And, and it was for me too, but what's a bow cost now? Average bow, 1100 bucks. Yeah. It, yeah. Just bare bow. Just the bow. Okay. So you got 1100, let's say a thousand in the bow you got for any site worth the shit anymore. It's 200 bucks. Um, at a minimum. Um, you got a hundred for a rest. I mean, I don't know. A Hamsky is 180. What's, um, what's a rip cord nowadays? Like 129. Yeah. And then the QADs are like around the 140, 149 mark as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you got that, you got a couple hundred bucks in arrows. You got a hundred at a minimum in a, in a release. It's worth the crap. You got 89 to 129 in a quiver or more. Um, but God forbid that you have a, uh, a pack that fits you. I, I mean, I can, I mean, one of the best bows I ever shot was a Hoyt Ultra Tech to tell you how old I am. Um, and, uh, or a striker too, you know, from like vintage 2000, 2001, whatever it was, but a pack is literally, um, going to catapult you in comfort ahead of everyone where, you know, a bow, you can shoot a five-year-old bow to today. What's it? 1% change, uh, maybe in, efficiency or something or less yeah there hasn't um, been a whole lot so, of change in that on that side of things from the from the the bow spec side over the last five years at all no no i mean uh the um uh I, yeah i mean it, 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 and i'm just trying to put it kind of pound the hammer into the head here a little bit for people listening in is if you're going on a backpack hunt, you need a comfortable pack. Do not cheap out on the pack. Not it's comfort, it's durability. And I mean, obviously too, when you buy into Kafara, which, you know, you, you kind of go into the family. Like I answer the phone. Well, about how to do this podcast on the side of a mountain. Cause I'm an idiot and forgot we were doing it. But you know, I answer customer service calls on the side of a mountain. We take very good care of customers, whether it be warranty, swapping them out. Um, and when you call, you know, you're talking to a person. A lot of times you're talking to me. Um, how often do you get to talk to the head designer, president and CEO, right? I mean, you don't, you don't get that a lot. And so we try to treat our, our users as family, you know, our, our customers as family members, you know, plus we want you to be comfortable and happy. Um, you know, and we have an insane warranty. So, you know, we encourage people, you know, beat the shit out of that thing. If, if you end up breaking it, it will happen eventually. Um, you know, we fix it or replace it and, and pretty hard to find that as well. And we're made in America a hundred percent. You, you, you truly don't find that anywhere anymore. So, um, I guess that's my, my quick sales pitch on, uh, buying a good pack or buying a Kafara. Well, what, yeah, what, what I, what I would say to, uh, to, to combat that a little bit is when, when I, when I was first starting to look into, uh, Kifaru, I, I was listening to it on one of the podcasts that you were doing with Brian there on the gritty Bowman. And, and then you're just like, you put your cell phone number out there. You're like, just give me a call and talk through it. And I was like, that's kind of weird for, you know, the president CEO of the company to, to do that for the customers. And I can't imagine how many calls you get on a regular basis asking those questions. So, you know, I did my research on it and had the questions that I still had for you and called you at, which I think it was, before four in the morning in Colorado at the time. And, uh, you talked me through it, helped me, you know, 
decide between the different frames and everything there, which I would definitely recommend checking out the, the video, your videos on YouTube first, because they'll, they'll answer about 95 point or 98% of the questions that you may have before you even need to pick up the phone. But it was extremely helpful to still be able to call you if I needed it. And right there, it basically sold me. I'm like, if someone's going to take care of you that much, if I have an issue, that you're going to do that. And when I when I bought the pack, I got the the reckoning with the tactical frame and I started using it first and started putting some weight in it. And I was having some problems with my, it seemed like when I had the hip belt in the, what I thought was the right place, um, I was having the lumbar pad rubbing and kind of giving me a little bit of a blister on my back. And I was like, you know, what the hell's going on? I've never heard anybody say anything about that. So I, I called into Kafaru and, and one of your customer service uh, members there was like, send me a picture of you, you know, wearing that pack. So I sent it in and he's like, you know, you're wearing it too low. And I said, well, if I put it up a little bit higher then you know, my lower back gets sore. He's like, well, you just need to get in shape for it. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> that's, and once I, once I figured that out and, you know, went through and made sure the pack fit me correctly, it, it changed you know, drastically to be able to do that. And like I said, I came from, um, an ultralight pack that, that, you know, I bought into the, the marketing and the, you know, the constant sales and everything else there that it was not comfortable whatsoever. The, now that I know what I know with load lifters angles and everything else, and it just wasn't the right pack even fit for me, even taking the construction of it aside, so that was a that was a big deal for me personally to be able to do that and have it fit. And actually recently my brother went through a similar scenario. He's on his third pack now of trying out different brands and he just ended up getting one of the new ultralight frames with a reckoning bag on it and he's like I can't believe the the difference of this. And the other packs he had weren't were not bad packs whatsoever. It's just for he said for him and the way it fit was excellent and him and I both we're able to compress it far enough down to use as a carry on on the plane and flew to Alaska with it and then packed up all our gear from the, from our check bags in it and, and, you know, went out for a overnight trip. So that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I just, yeah, I try to not to ever come off too sales pitchy cause I get tired of that shit, but you know, Part of the problem that you get when you're getting info on the internet um, is you get you've got you've got a lot of different uh, well I'll just say the big penis thing right everybody you know flipping around on the table who's is bigger and packs seem to be the worst so you look at I look at some of these Facebook threads I get tagged in and the the worst thing you can do is say hey I'm going on an elk hunt what pack should I get guaranteed as sure as the fucking sun will rise 90 percent of the people commenting have a vested interest in yeah. <laughs> commenting there there is they get six percent off on the field staff <laughs> yeah yeah they got some kind of pro staff or whatever and, and it's not like i mean i get tons of guys packs too i mean you take care of me i'm going to take care of you uh you send me cool photos and you know but you know, a lot of those guys don't know, you know, shit from apple butter when it comes to adjusting uh, the proper function and fit of a pack. Now, some do, and there's some guys that are great resources, including guys that don't wear a kafaru. But, um, you know, overall, it's like I feel bad, and I always message these guys. I'm like, hey, you have any questions on a pack, kafaru or otherwise, let me know, and I'll point you in the right direction. Because some people may just let they not like the look of a Kafaru or they may not like the look of a stone glacier or an Exo and, and packs truly in a lot of ways when you, I mean, you're single, there's a gotta be an initial retraction. You're not just going to go hit on some chick cause she's got a good heart. Cause you don't know. You got to find out she's got a good heart cause she's hot. <laughs> she's got, you know, and that's how packs are. If you're not like, and I tell people all the time, they're like, which pack should I get? I'm like, well, you're going on a seven-day hunt. Here's the four of them. Pick the one that you like to look up. Like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you don't know any difference anyway. You're not gonna. <laughs> it's not gonna matter, right? You don't, you never used. I'm like, pick the one that makes you feel tough. <laughs> you got to You got to take it like, for a ride you? first and figure it out. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like, really? Pick the one that you look at and be like, man, that's badass. 
get that one because the frame's the same, right? We're going to custom fit the frame. The bag, you know, the mental psyche or whatever, yeah, if you feel badass, you're going to be badass. And if that pack makes you feel that way, then get that one. But if it, you know, you get it and you're not sure, well, you might not feel quite as tough and maybe you won't get up the mountain. And that's just, I mean, men have a horrible time admitting that. But how many men walk by a mirror and don't look at it and flex their arm? Maybe stick figures. Everybody I know does, right? I mean, if I go to the gym, you want to look good in the backpack. So that's part of it. But obviously, you know, the fit's easy. We can get it to fit you. And, uh, you know, a lot of those people that are commenting, maybe the, you know, they bought, they went from whatever, I hate mentioning names, but a, a low budget pack. And then they bought, um, the best pack they could afford. And that pack is now, you know, quote unquote, the best pack. Well, it's the best pack they've ever used, but that doesn't mean it's the best pack. And like your, your brother, I'm sure he had really good packs and I'm sure each time he used one, it may have been better than the last, but not always, you know, and I'm not saying Kafaru is the only great pack on the market. There's good ones. I'm just saying that for the most part, um, we're able to, get things to fit you at a comfort level that you're generally not used to. And there is a lot of options on the market. I mean, the competition now is ridiculous. Um, you know, we say like, you can't throw a hippie in Boulder without hitting a Subaru Boulder, Colorado. And <laughs> I, I, you know, you, you, it's that kind of that way as far as uh, with backpacks now, like I think there's more competition as much in backpacks as clothing lines. And so getting good information, especially off of something like, a Facebook forum is, I mean, truly like pissing in the wind. Like you're not going to get information on there. You might, but you're you, getting true and pure information is going to be pretty hard to do. No, that's no, I, I completely agree with you there. And I, you know, I fell into that. My, when I first thing, when I wanted to plan going out West, I didn't know anybody out there to talk to or what to do about it. So I just started reading forums and, and watching YouTube videos. And the more that I've learned is a lot of people that are doing gear reviews on YouTube, not all of them, but a lot of them are, are just, you know, either being paid to, to talk about a certain product or, you know, they're, or they're just, they're not using it completely. You know what I mean? You can't pull something out of the box and do a review on it. And in, in my opinion, um, unless you, you know, state that, but it's, it's hard to get through the oh, weeds yeah, I there. I, <laughs> I say it all the time. The muffler's still warm on the UPS truck and there they are. Best pack I've ever had. Yeah. Hasn't even been on their back yet. And people do it with Kafaru cause they're all this, uh, excited. I understand. I mean, I get geeked out on photography gear now, but I mean, and I'm to the point now with camera gear, I'm at a pretty say high level or whatever, but you know, I get, I test out a lot of camera gear that gets sent to me. And, um, I'd like to say hunting is the only sport like this. I might be worse than photography when it comes to people reviewing gear and, and even very well-known people in the outdoor industry that have a pretty good platform um, you know, there, a lot of times, a lot of them maybe shouldn't be given advice on certain aspects. Like, you know how much I do backpack cardio, right? I, I train quite a bit. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you want to ask me about running a marathon. I don't know shit about it. Yeah. I, mean, I don't, I've never run a marathon. I hate running. And so, you know, getting Brian Martin is a great resource. He's a guy, um, how many dudes killed more? crafting smallpox hunts all over the world and he tests all the backpacks all of them and he's very methodical and he's very open um i love him testing ours because i know he's tested that year all of them mr Antstone, well mr Antstone glacier and ours and our newest offerings and uh, getting advice from him although it may be a four-hour phone call because the dude could talk peace into the middle east you're going to get good advice good good feedback good that you're going to be able to make a good conscious choice but if you ask a guy that's only owned one pack, he's only giving you the advice that's very limited on that one pack or that one pack company. And this is including Kafaru. It may not be the most thorough advice, the best option for you. And maybe that pack company, a pack from that pack company will be the best pack for you, but it may not even be that pack or that frame he's talking about. You know, he's just going off his experience and 
I guess what I, I'm, you know, the reason why I'm saying that is it's a big purchase and I totally understand you want to get the best info you can before you drop that much cash. Um, but you know, you want to make sure it's good info cause that is a crap load of money. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, and that's one thing, you know, I, I could sit on here and, and talk on this podcast. Oh, you know, that reckoning's awesome for me. I love it, but I've only had it even personally for, you know, a little over a year now. And I haven't packed out an animal with it because the, I killed two whitetails that I was able to drag out. And when I went out West with my elk tag, my elk tag is still sitting in my dresser drawer. So, you know, I can't, I can't put any weight on, on that side of things. You know, I mean, I've put sandbags in there that were a hundred pounds and, and did it. And it feels better than the pack I was using in the prior, but that's why, you know, I bring on someone like you to talk about it. That actually has way more experience. And as you just listed off about 16 hunts that you're going on this year, um, have a lot of experience with, with using them and testing them and then therefore designing them going forward. But yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, one of the reasons I don't talk about whitetail hunting that much, as much as I get to whitetail hunt is I don't feel, uh, that I am your best resource for whitetail hunting. Now, I can pretend and make some shit up. I mean, but for the most part, I go sit in a tree stand. Somebody told me to sit in and I can shoot good. So probably going to kill something. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. And I didn't, uh, I didn't, didn't do any homework there. I didn't, <laughs> there was no clover planted by my hands, nor was there any traveling corridors figured out. No looking at maps. They say, Aaron, go get your fat ass in that tree. I sit there and I shoot it when it walks by and try not to move much. That doesn't make me a whitetail hunter. That just makes me good at following directions. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I don't. I don't want to give advice on whitetail hunting because it's it's not fair to people. Yeah, I could make it up. Same thing goes for arrow builds, backpacks, bow builds. Um, you know, not. And I'm not trying to like bash on people giving advice because a lot of the advice is good. Um, I just want to make sure that don't don't take advice from someone that uh, you know you maybe probably shouldn't be taking advice from. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that leads into, so I, I used the reckoning all last year in, in Pennsylvania for whitetail hunting. And a lot of the people that are, you know, an audience of, of this podcast and people that I guess, like-minded people that talk together, um, through the whole Appalachian region from, I don't know if you've ever hunted any of it, but through West Virginia, Southern Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, it's, you get into some, you know, what we considered mountains and, in in the Appalachian range and there's, there's no food plots. There's no anything but just big woods hunting. And a lot of places you have to pack in a lot of stuff, including your tree stand sticks, or if you have a climber, your climbing tree stand and, and all the layers for a full day set. So last year, the one thing I liked about it was I could pack, I had, uh, I had the, the sick of fanatic system, which isn't something that packs down very small, but it's extremely warm. So when I'm hunting all day during the rut and the temperatures around 10 degrees in the tree stand, that was in, you know, an excellent piece, but with a regular backpack, I wasn't really able to fit that in there. And I'm not, you know, going to walk, you know, between one and three miles with that on, cause you will just die and, and then you sweat and you get cold no matter how insulated the gear is. And so anyways, what I would do is I'd use the reckoning and, and stuff the fanatic jacket and bibs inside the bag. And, and then I would take the tree stand and actually attach it right to the outside of it. So I take my hang on tree stand, attach it to the outside with the sticks. And even though it's a little bit further away from your back than you'd like, it's not heavy enough when you have a good frame suspension system there to, to feel uncomfortable. It's a lot better than any other ones that have, that have been able to use. And so anyways, I get into there at the bottom of the tree, I'll pull out the layers, put them on. As I start climbing up the sticks, all I grab is the the guide lid off the top of the pack, and I take that up there with me and take the the straps that deploy out and wrap them around the tree. And then you kind of have a little mobile sack up there, I guess, with your necessities in it, and and you're able to haul everything in there. So and and if it came down to it where I had to quarter a deer or anything, you still have, you know, the capabilities of using that load shelf and be able to haul the gear as well. So that was, that was an, 
uh, that was the first time last year that I've used that. And I hunted about uh, 20 to 25 days, I'd say, maybe even more um, using that system. And depending on the weather and everything would, would be how I would set up the pack. But it was it was interesting to be able to do that and, and be mobile, which is a which is a big um, plus when, you, when you're hunting that area, especially during the rut, you have to be able to be mobile with you, with your tree stand there and comfortable as that. I've, I've tried, you know, throwing the straps of a climber over your back and then slap a backpack over that. And you just digs into your shoulders the whole time you're carrying it. And it's a miserable thing. And you're a lot less likely to, to want to pick up and move even when, you know, the action isn't, uh, isn't there, but Anyway, so that's just a, a different way of doing it. And I've so far, I mean, I'm even trying out some different packs this year to because that's that's more of my game where I, you know, I go out west for 10 to 14 days a year, but I can whitetail hunt for well over a month. And this year I'll be hunting for about two months. And uh, so I'm going to test out a whole bunch of different stuff and, you know, see what works for me there. And um, yeah, no, I mean, and that is a that's definitely the more you test, right. The more you refine your, you know, your, your kit. Right. I mean, that's, yep. I encourage people to, to tweak and some people just aren't the, I don't even want to call it tweakers. Um, you know, they're not in the, well, I just Kendall card, right. He owns black Ovis. You know, he is like a extremely smart man and literally does not, he was telling me he needed a class and backpack. So I'm like, you mean he's like well like kafar is too confusing i'm like are you shitting me are you seriously and he just does it it's probably like me working on a car and yeah i don't understand it i mean it doesn't make sense so uh you know some people are really good at you know tweaking stuff and other people are just not that's not their bag um and but you i mean when you can really start to tweak things you really are you know you're 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 going from you know swinging a hammer to cutting with a scalpel when it comes to your you know, your kit or whatever. It's, yeah. Your efficiency I mean, is so much you, better in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It does make you yeah more efficient and more comfortable. I mean, and you think, I mean, that's kind of where that whitetail pack came from that we just came out with was, um, me, me in a tree stand. Um, well, me and, and Brian Broderick, um, he owns uh, lost arrow films and, uh, us in Alabama. And that was the first time I had done the true, southern bad boy buggy i mean no shit we were in a bad boy buggy like roll up like you know whatever the crush and hop out and and i was like we were just you know when i hunted in like wisconsin or minnesota um you know i didn't really grasp the concept of truly uh just because the way i hunted and where of um shifting um you tr like truly you know shifting tree stands um, day by day from the wind and having these different, knowing where the deer bedded exactly, looking at a map saying, okay, let's go in here. We're going to have to pull this stand here. And, and then knowing you're not going to blow these different deer out because of where they're bedding, yanking a stand out and moving it. And uh, yeah, it started to suck packing these tree stands, even 400 yards back and forth, you know, like a monkeying around trying to get it to, you know, strap to a, uh, I won't mention the company, but a, a, comp a specific company's kind of tree stand pack. And uh, anyway, I was just like, man, this is for the birds, and I'm in a position to, you know, design whatever I want. And that's kind of where that, that initially started a couple of years ago with that tree stand pack, was just sharpening the one of the tools in the shed, so to speak, to, you know, get more uh, more efficient, more dialed in with that. And that's called the Eastern Rock, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, that's the Eastern Rock. Okay. And, um, the, the one thing that, that I noticed, I haven't, uh, got to see one in person yet, but just from watching your videos online and everything, I, what I thought was neat was that you're able to run it with its own, you know, suspension system, or I, I guess harness that's on there, but you can also attach it to, you know, any of the frame systems that Kufaru offers so that, and, and the one the question I was going to ask you that actually your video answered was, can, would you be able to say, pack out a first load of meat that was you know 
up to 50 pounds, say a whitetail quarter and your gear back to the truck till you grab your frame and attach it and go back in. And that's kind of what you said was that was designed to do. Correct. Exactly. That's a hundred percent. And we did not need to do that in Alabama. That was, um, you know, you can get to pull the buggy right up pretty much, but a lot of guys where you're at Appalachians, um, a lot of guys hunting the North, North, you know, like the upper peninsula, uh, in certain areas were like, Hey, here's the deal. We, you know, we backpack in for whitetails and I got to have a frame and like three days worth of gear. You know, they're explaining this, but I need to drop the frame and have a good pack for the tree stand. Um, and so we actually beefed the size of the Eastern ruck up a little bit from the initial, uh, design for that reason. And so you could, uh, you know, if you backpacked in and you're camping, whatever the distance away from where you put your tree stand, uh, you know, you would have enough gear for a, a very long, very cold day without the frame. But also, if you, um, you know, you could detach the frame from the bag if needed. And a lot of guys said, we'll stash it at the bottom of the tree or we'll stash it, you know, close by, um, close proximity where the wind won't matter as much. And, so we, we wanted to make sure, obviously, that that actual bag, whether it was attached to a frame or not, had all the options that people asked for. The quiver option, uh, where the water bottle, or, you know, the quiver can go, strapping it to a tree, getting op- get you know, strapping it around the tree and being able to get into it from the left or the right side, and pulling out camera gear. That was a big one. Um, you know, I'm trying to pull out, you know, a Nikon D850 or a giant video camera. Um, uh, in and out of that bag, specifically a photo camera, because I'm I'm a photo guy, uh, out of different packs, even our own. And I used an Ontario for a while, which worked fine. But this one is truly a game changer, because no matter what side um, I'm on, I've got this big entry from the side of, of reaching into and grabbing a, a, a camera. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we, we screwed with it a while to get it what we think is right. And, well, we sold a ton of them. We had anybody complain yet. So we, we're thinking we got it right. Yeah, and it's uh, it's funny because I, when I when I for a whitetail hunter, I carry way more shit than I'd probably need. And uh, last year when I was running the reckoning with the tactical frame, there, I was uh, I I climb I climb up in a lot in like hemlock and pine trees, and I just use the branches to climb up, and I have a platform that I set up in the up in there so you're hidden real well. Well, I couldn't fit up in between there with the pack on. Um, so I was like, I'll pull it up with a bow rope. Well, I figured out it was a little too heavy to do that. Um, that I thought the rope was going to cut through my hands, but that would be nice to be able to, like you said, if you don't need the the frame and also at 2,800 cubic inches, that still has more than enough room where most whitetail packs I've used. My complaint has been, it's only 1,600 cubic inches to 1,800 and you can't pack everything in there. In my opinion, for what I'm doing for an all day sit, you know, you get to pack in your lunch, you get to pack in your extra clothing, your, your gear that you use there and, and your tree stand all at once. And that, that takes it, you know, it does definitely take up some room. If you, uh, if again, yeah, that's if for hunting the, like me, right. Trying to get my food to fit in there is a crisis level situation. That, that's the same with me. If I don't go in with a fully stocked pack and eat every 25 minutes, maybe I'd see a deer, but, um, yeah, that's that's definitely uh, you know a good attribute for the, the style of hunting that we do because, and, and not many people know, but in, in northern Pennsylvania alone, Aaron, they have two million acres of public land that's basically all state forest, national forest, state game lands, everything else, and there's areas that you can backpack in that's over ten miles with no roads. And again, that's not something you think of when you think of the East as much. I don't know if you've ever hunted, um, any of Appalachia or not, but it's, uh, it's interesting. So I'm glad that someone's coming out with a pack kind of geared towards that. Yeah. And you know, I, I, you know, no matter what you do in life, somebody's going to give you shit about something. I, I, um, you know, guys were like, I can't believe, you know, mostly good, but some of the longtime Kefaru backpack hunter, you know, because we've been in business for like 30 years, right? What do you get into the whitetail market for? And I'm like, because I hunt whitetail and the pack sucks that are offered right now. What do you mean? Why am I getting into the whitetail market? Why wouldn't I? Not only that, 70% of the hunting community, just on a business standpoint, 
70 percent are whitetail hunters we uh western guys are you know very slim few compared to whitetail hunters and uh you know so i did it out of necessity because i wanted the pack but you know on a business standpoint you're stupid not to get into the whitetail turkey side of things and i get made fun of for hunting turkeys too but this is kind of a it not kind of it's a turkey pack as well i kind of all spring with it this spring um you know for turkeys and it was awesome because i could get my decoys my blind my my decoy chair you know that horrible probably gonna end up getting hemorrhoids from it that little triangle chair <laughs> it, it's shitty but all of that can fit in there and so you know it's great for that yeah yeah i just that, that that's cool does it, it fits right inside the pack you're saying like you just open it up and, and slide the as far as the, like your blind or anything in there, or are you putting that kind of in between the frame and the bag? I put that in between the frame and the bag. Cause we use, you know, I'm not exactly a set of car keys. And so I'm, you know, I use a big blind. I like a lot of room. I like one I can sleep in, especially if I got to sit all day and move around. And, and then I'll put the, uh, the chair in one of the Nalgene bottle pockets, the Nalgene bottle in the other pocket. Uh, and then that grab it, that's sewn in, I'll put my decoys in, um, you know, depending upon what kind of decoys or whatever I use those. See if I was a real Turkey hunter, I know the name, but the avian X kind of hard plastic ones. Oh, yeah. okay. It's, uh, like the ones that are real loud yeah, when no, you go through a, sticks. No, they're hard plastic. They're kind of heavy. Um, some Primos used to make some like it, but these are, these are actually quite a bit more realistic, but I use those and, with turkey, you know, I'm a I'm a J Ken guy. You know, I hardly ever put a hen out by itself, and I can fit two decoys in there, which was important for for us on the the design to be able to fit a couple of them in there. And you know, you can do all that. You just throw the frame inside that detaches quickly if you want to just have the pack. You don't really have to do that for turkey hunting in the blind. Um, and then I got that day pack there, and I got my camera gear and food and everything else. And so uh, it worked pretty well for that too. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, the, this pat this spring, I would take the, I would take my decoy, which kind of like folded up, but I'd shove it down in the main bag and, um, and then take, cause I did a, I did an overnight backpack trip for Turkey. And so I'd fill everything in there, shove the decoy down in there. And on that trip, I didn't take a blind, but when I would do that, I was just strapping it right to the outside and, and doing it there, but kind of shoving the, the butt of the, the blind down in the, the carrying handle and then running the yep, three yep. main straps around it. And that seemed to work pretty well. And then if I needed it to be a little bit more secure, depending on what load I had in there, I'd throw the guide lid around it and then, you know, strap that down over it as well. And it wouldn't go anywhere, but it's just, yeah, no, that makes sense. I actually know a lot of guys doing that you know, pretty much same thing with the, with the reckoning and the reckonings that, I tell you what, the reckoning's pretty hard to beat. That's our number one seller, um, just for flat out how versatile it is. And uh, I mean, we sold a few thousand reckonings. I mean, and it's like every time we go to recut packs, you know, my because it's all made there, right? So they just come over and we run the numbers to to build for ahead, right? So we have shorter ship times. Mm-hmm. And the reckoning in Ranger Green just it crushes it. I mean, yeah, that's the one I have, the Ranger Green fun. too. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East yeah, Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.